So last week, we kicked off this series talking about your future self, and, and, and if you thought about your future self and, and, and what they would come back and say to your present self, I wonder what that would be. I wonder what my future self would come back and say to present-day Matt. I, I have some ideas, and I think you would probably say the same things. Uh, I think my future self would come back and say, Matt, quit worrying about all the stuff that just doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. So you think my future self would probably say that? Chill out with your oneness. Just bring it down a notch, Matt. Um, I think my future self would probably come back and, and, and remind me how quick life moves and so not to, um, not to take these moments that I have with my kids and, and let them pass too quickly, but to engage more with my kids. Would your future self, those of you who have kids, probably say the same thing? Yeah. Um, so there, there are things that our future self would probably want to tell us today. A couple of things we mentioned last week, it's, it's the small, unnoticeable habits, the, the things that most people will never see in your life, those are the things that are shaping us. The, the things that nobody sees in my life are the things that are shaping the outward appearance and the things that other people do see in my life, and the small, un, unnoticeable habits in our lives are creating the future self that we will one day be, all of us. And uh, when we begin the year, so many of us believe it's those goals that are super important, like we put those goals out there, and goals are great. I, I think uh, it's, it's good to have some goals out there, but goals, uh, Craig Rochelle said this, goals don't determine success, systems do. Systems determine our success. And systems are the things that will, will put into place the habits that get us to the place that we want to be in the future and will create uh, the, the future. Uh, we talked last week a little bit about how uh, in, in the world, when, when the best of the best, athletes, executives, businesses, parents, the best of the best, when they don't know what to do or when they're facing a challenge or when they're getting to that next level, they always go look for some outside help consultants, they look for coaches, um, they look for trainers, parents, we look for tutors. Can I get an amen in the house today? We're, we're always looking for some outside help. And, and I would say this, in life, why isn't that our first move? Why, why don't we look to God as the author of life and the God who sees your future self? Why don't we go to that God first? Why don't we start with prayer? And so that was the last week, the, the thought, the, the, the main idea is let's start with prayer. Or you might say, let's ask for some help. Let's turn to God before anything else. And so I would ask you, how did that go this week? Did you, did you roll out of bed and it was like the first thing? Did you, did you think and laugh at me last week and then think, oh, maybe that is a good move to make? Fall on your knees when you, when you just to remind you to start with prayer. Did you, did you give the... Um, the you version a try, the, the verse of the day, praying through that. I mean, it's so, it can be so very powerful. And the good news is God's grace and his mercies are new every single morning. So even if you didn't do it one time last week and you forgot and you think to yourself, man, I left here and I had some good intentions and I went home and I turned on the game and I got mad and I threw something at the TV and it's okay, like God's mercies are new every morning for you, and his grace is new, and, and, and your relationship with God isn't dependent upon you, like, checking things off the list. I mean, it's dependent upon his grace, and so let's, let's continue to, to stoke that fire, to start with prayer uh, in, our, in our everyday life. Now, today I want to talk a little bit about the mind and a little bit about the brain, and so I asked you favorite songs because I just wondered, like, what are the lyrics that stick with you 
and, and things that you can pull up at a moment's notice. And so I want to try a couple and just see what you do with them, okay? Start spreading the news. I'm... Okay, so some of you got it. I want to... Isn't it interesting? You guys are worse singers than me. Um, like we've changed keys like three times in that four lines of that song. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of you might not know this one as well as I do, but Sweet Home Alabama, where the skies are so blue. Sweet Home Alabama, I'm coming home to you. Now, if we played it, if I, I thought about having the band play it because if we played it, even more of you would remember it. In fact, Sweet Home Alabama is one of the most recognizable licks in all of, of, uh, of music. What about this one? Hey, Jude, don't take a sad song and make it better. Remember to and you will start to make it. Did you guys see that yesterday movie? Anybody see that yesterday movie? It was a great movie. Anyway, okay, so you got that one. Um, one more, one more. Let's just see if you can remember this one. Um, I, was, I was standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. <laughs> Such a... There's a girl, my Lord. She was slowing down to take a look at me. <laughs> now see, um, our minds are amazing things. Our minds, especially when it comes to things that we hear over and over, our, our minds can remember things, they trap things. And here's the deal, here's where I want us to go this morning, and I want to talk a little bit about this, that our minds, the things that we think about, begin to move us in certain directions that eventually become the paths that we walk out. Are you with me? So our minds, the things that are most prevalent in our minds, the things that we think about more than anything else, those things begin to move us in a direction that eventually we will walk out. And because of that, our minds are so very important. Now, there's a couple of football games today. Many of you know that I like, have, have I ever told you that I like football? Anybody? Um, <laughs> I love football, and there's, there's a player today, he's a quarterback, and his name's Russell Wilson. Have you ever heard of Russell Wilson? Um, interesting, fascinating, uh, his, one of his mental coaches, uh, his primary mental coach is a friend of McDowell, and I've spent a little bit of time with him. His name's Trevor Moad, and Trevor talks about the importance of the mind, and if you've read any articles about Russell Wilson, I'm, I'm guessing and assuming that you've probably read a little bit about his mental preparation for football. And what Trevor talks about and what now Russell talks about, and they've kind of created this, this uh, consulting business, this uh, coaching kind of business together, is they, they talk about the importance of, of neutral thinking. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Neutral thinking. Not, not negative thinking, not positive thinking, but neutral thinking. And the reason they talk about neutral thinking, I, I think I'm going to do this justice, is that the jump from negative thinking to positive thinking for most people is too much of a, of a jump and there's a disconnect there. But neutral thinking is the ability to walk into any circumstance that we're faced with and be able to, to walk through it 
with the greatest potential result. Are you with me? And so what Russell Wilson works to do is in the game of football, no matter what he's faced with, to not allow negative thinking to come into his mind and waste energy. They talk about wasted energy, wasted mind space on the negative. But rather, this is what I have to in front of me. This is what I have to, to walk through. And so now what am I going to do to walk through this with a potential good result? Does that make sense? And so the mind, they believe, the mind is so very important. I want to teach you a word. Well, some of you already know this word. Some of you uh, could probably explain this so much better than me. But have you ever heard of neuroplasticity? Anyone? Neuroplasticity. The question is, can your mind over time change? Do you think your mind can change? Yeah. Neuroplasticity says that our minds, not, not only can they change, but the, the main pathways, the, the neurological pathways in our brain can shift over time. Uh, and we ask ourselves, how does that happen? Like, Matt, my, my mind, uh, it, it seems to, ha- to have a mind of its own. <laughs> like, it just goes, and I feel like I can't control it, and it just thinks about what it thinks about. Uh, if, if you and I were to go on a hike today, the Lost Dog, or up Sunrise, anybody ever hiked up there before? There's a path that you take, right? And that path is, is well-trafficked. Uh, actually, let's go down to Camelback Mountain, because that one is really well-trafficked, and there's like no parking, and it's annoying for those of us who live here, right? And Anyway, uh, there's a pathway up, and that pathway is traveled again and again and again. And because it's traveled again and again and again, somebody who's new to the mountain will know where to go because the path is there. And when you travel it again and again and again, you just, like, you just go and you just follow the path where the path leads. Your brain is like that. Did you know that? That the more you think about certain things, the more your brain just goes there because it's just the pathway that's been formed. And the way to form new pathways in our brains is to think about new things in new ways and allow the old pathways or the old trails to get covered up because we no longer walk them. Does that make sense? It's a difficult thing. It takes time. But forming new pathways allows your brain to over time change and move in new directions. Now, let's do a quick thought audit. A thought audit. So you have to participate. Are you with me this morning? Are you going to participate? Here we go. Here's a little thought audit. Where are you on this spectrum? And I gave you some different things that you can think about. Are you an anxious? Do you tend to have anxious thoughts in your minds? No nudging people next to you. Do you, do you tend to, to be an anxious person by nature or peaceful? Oh, oh don't, you don't have to, you don't have to say it out loud. It's okay, but you don't have to. <laughs> Do you, do you tend, over time, do you tend to be more pessimistic or more hopeful or optimistic? Like, where are you on that spectrum? Where, where does your mind tend to go? Are you a doubtful, doubtful person about yourself or are you more confident in your nature? Like, your mind, do you feel like, oh, I don't think I can do that? Or are you someone who's like, oh, I can do that? no matter what it is in front of you. Are you more discouraged in your mind? Like, do you think discouraging thoughts? Or are you more encouraged in your mind? Are you selfish, sacrificial? So you, you can fill in the blank even with different spectrums here, but I, I think it's important for us to think 
about where our mind naturally goes because those pathways have been forged over time and will continue to get the, the motion or the, or, the, or the thought life that it'll continue in that same direction. Does that make sense? But you can change it. Now listen to this. Some of you are, are sitting here and you're like, Matt, like I, I came to church and this seems to have nothing to do with the Bible. Paul, let me, let, me, let, me, let me share just a couple things that Paul said. Listen to this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, and I want to come back to that, that phrase, but, but let God transform you into a new person. Now, pause. Paul is talking about the tr- like total transformation of your life. Like, let God completely, radically transform you. Well, how do you think God does that? By changing the way that you think. Isn't that awesome? Like what we're learning in science and, and, and with the brain, like connects. Paul, 2,000 years ago, talked about neuroplasticity. <laughs> he says this, like, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. And what Paul re- like repeats again and again and again in his letters to the church is that we have a decision to make with what we're going to let control us or the, the paths that we're going to take, and we can choose to follow just what feels good, the customs and the behaviors of the world. We can just go with the flow. In other words, the path has been forged for us. And if you don't think about it, you will quickly fall into the flow of all the cultural culture around you. Does that make sense? Because the path's there. You'll head to the top of Camelback if you, if you start at the bottom because the path's there. And he says, but the good news is that God has the power to change your mind if you will choose to allow him to do that. So here's where, where it takes us. Like you have a role to play in who you're becoming because Paul says you've got to let God transform you into a new person. You've got a role to play. You've got to participate with the Spirit of God. And, and many of us don't want to do any work. We just want to wake up and be new people, right? Or we want the people next to us to wake up and be new people. <laughs> and God said, no, that's not, how, that's not how spiritual formation works. That's not how you become a new person. Like, you've got to do some work here. You've got to allow God. You've got to participate in the work of transformation. And God will do, God will do the hardest work, but we've got to open ourselves. So start with prayer last week is about opening ourselves, asking for some help. And this week, we're going to talk about believing the best. And, and this is about allowing God to do the work that he wants to do. Here's the deal. If you continue, if I continue to think the same way I've always thought, I'm going to continue to be the same person I've always been. If you think the way you've always thought, you'll be the person you've always been. Like there will be no change. You'll continue in the same paths that you've always been on. But if we learn to think differently, according to Paul, then it can change us into a new person. Here's, here's kind of a, a takeaway if you write notes or if you take pictures or whatever. I think this is important that becoming someone new begins in the battlefield of the mind. And I want to use that word battlefield because our mind is a battlefield, isn't it? It's a battlefield. 
Like every day we have things that are, that are pulling us in so many different directions. And like Paul said, we can go with the flow and just do what culture does or we can make a decision to fight against the, the pattern, the path that's been forged and go in a different direction. In, in another letter, Paul says this, um, letting your sinful nature control your mind and he comes back to the mind again. The mind is so very important. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. It leads to death. If you let just your, your, your selfish nature control you, it'll lead to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and Is there anybody in the room who, who would love to experience a fullness of life and some peace in their world. Guys, we're in an election year. The battlefield of the mind is coming, right? And, and Paul's talking about what, what happens in the mind, if, if, if we go the right direction, if we begin to open ourselves to God's spirit, we can find some peace that we will not find externally just by going with the flow of culture. And I think this, this move, this spiritual formation is so very important. Now, why would letting the sinful nature, why would that lead to death? And here's why. Because your sinful nature and my sinful nature is selfish. And over time, selfishness leads to isolation. Selfishness will always lead to isolation. And when you're in isolation, there is no life. Eventually, you die. You need other people. I need other people. But letting the, the Spirit control our lives, the Spirit wants more than anything else for you and me to experience life and love and hope and peace. And that's, that's where life is. That's where, I mean, it's the Spirit. So what do we do? How do we do this? So I'm going to move in that direction. So like, let's make it practical. Let's talk about what can I do tomorrow? What can I do today to begin uh, to, to move in this direction? So Paul wrote this. He said, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So this is important because we live in a place that, that says if you want change, you You, you build muscles and you make change happen. You fight with, with the weapons of the world. You force other people, like it's, it's, it's the, the powerful win, like that's the weapons of the world. And he says, no, on the contrary, the weapons that we fight with, and listen, they, he says they, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now this word strongholds, uh, it, 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 it casts, if you go back in the Greek, it, it creates a picture of a prison guarded by soldiers, like chains holding you down, guarded by soldiers so there is no escape. Have you ever felt like you were in prison with something in your mind? Have you ever felt like you just can't get away from what it is that's going on up here? Have you ever felt like that? Like, I, I, I continue to think about or dream about the things that I don't want to think about, and I can't figure out how to get over that. And what Paul says is that, that the, the, the things that we fight with, the weapons we fight with, have divine power to demolish those strongholds. The things that hold us down and hold us back, like God has the power to demolish those things, to get rid of them. And here's how we do it. 
He said, we demolish. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's, here's one of the steps in it. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul believed, and he wrote to the early church, that you and I had the power through the Holy Spirit to take captive what thoughts? Every thought. That, that we have the power because of the Holy Spirit to take captive every thought and make it obedient to who? To Christ. Now that's important. Not make it obedient to ourselves. We, we got that one down. Make it obedient to Christ, to Jesus, the one that we follow. Priscilla Shire, who, is a, uh, who writes a lot of Bible studies for women. Some of you women, you love Priscilla? Love her, yes. Anyway, she says this, that, um, that this idea of, of taking thoughts captives means that we control them instead of letting them control us. Like that your thought life and what's going on in your mind, that, that it's a work toward controlling those things rather than letting those things control us. And that's a big, that's a big change. And it's only done by the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I believe that only God's power can, can help us in that. So when I say believe the best, like as, as kind of a, a framework for us this week, that thought, it's not about the power of positive thinking. That's not what I'm talking about. Believing the best isn't just about saying, oh, everything's going to be great and better and it's some false sense of hope. That's not, like, that's not what the Bible talks about. Believing the best is believing that we're not alone and that the Holy Spirit has the power to do a work in us that we ourselves can't do in isolation. That's, that's believing the best. Believing the best is trusting in a power higher than ourselves. Does this language sound familiar? Trusting in, in a power higher than ourselves to do a work that we can't do on our own. That's believing the best, not just positive thinking. Positive thinking's good. I don't want to, like, just rain on that parade. Like, we should think more positively. But believing and trusting the best is about looking to God and His Spirit to help rewire the messed up brains that we have. Did I say that out loud, the messed up brain? Like, Yes. So three quick things, uh, three quick things. Maybe this will be helpful in your spiritual journey. And the first one is a word that um, a lot of people, like when we talk about Christianity, it kind of freaks people out, meditate. You can send me an email next week, joe at mcdowell.church, meditate. Um, <laughs> the Bible talks a lot about meditating. It really does. Like there, there are scriptures that talk about like fixing your mind on certain things, on, on meditating. So what would it look like to find God's truth to counteract the lies that we so often buy into and to fix our mind on those things so that our brains are rewired to think first about that, about God's truth? And I just went to Version, and I'm going to continue to hound this year. I'm going to talk about Version because you should read your stinking Bible. I should read my stinking Bible. It's so good. Like, like God's truth that is found tucked within the scriptures is so important to us. So here's a few ideas, and some of you might need some of this today. Um, some of you uh, have been told in the past, and your brain, your mind tells you again and again that you are nobody. 
Like, who do you think you are? You're a nobody. You know what God says? He says this, to all who receive Christ, he gives you the right to become children of God. Don't, don't tell yourself that you're nobody. You're a son or a daughter of the most high God and an heir to his kingdom. Now, come on, somebody should say amen to that. You're not a nobody. You are not worthless in this world. God looks at you, God sees you, and God chooses you. Now, that is good news for every single one of us. So don't, don't listen to, the, to a world or a person or don't allow your mind to, to convince you that you're a nobody. You're not. And when you open yourself to God, you become his son and his daughter. And there is nothing higher than that. Some of you are facing challenges that, that you feel like you can't get through, and your mind is, is accustomed to saying, you've never done it in the past, you can never do it in the future. And listen, if God calls you to something, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. If God calls you to it, he will give you the strength to accomplish it. So don't allow your mind to convince you of a lie that is not true. And I want you to hear that. If God calls you to something, he will equip and empower you to accomplish whatever it is he calls you to. So don't let your mind hold you back. Don't let your mind hold you back. Fix your mind on the truth that God has for you and his promise. Uh, some of you are so worried about tomorrow, and I get it because I worry about tomorrow all the time. I worry way too much. Any worriers with me? Not warriors, war warriors. <laughs> warriors. We're warriors. Our mind worries about tomorrow. What are my kids going to do? Like, will they make it? Are they going to, after college, is my son going to come home and live with me again? Oh, I'm so worried that <laughs> it's fine if he does. I love him if he's watching. Um, no, just kidding. No, no, but we worry about things. What happens if this, you know, if I don't get this sale, what's going to happen if I don't get this? What happens if I get laid off and I don't find anything else for a couple months? Like, what's going to happen? And, and Jesus reminds us, these are Jesus's words, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's trouble is enough. And he reminds us that he's always with us. Like, we don't have to worry about the future. He gets it. He's got it. So don't let your mind tell you that tomorrow is going to be the destruction of all things. Jesus tells us with God everything is possible. Your mind might tell you that it's not possible. You can't do that. Jesus says, no, with God, all things is possible. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, who was brilliant, we're not sure who wrote Hebrews, but brilliant. For God has said, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. Now, is that some truth that we need today? I will not fail you or abandon you. Listen, some of you, um, your, your mind continues to tell you, no one will stay with you. You've been abandoned so many times, and it's because you're not worth anything. So don't trust anyone. Don't trust that person. Don't trust that person. Don't trust that person because they've, like, everybody's failed you. You can't trust anyone. Listen, you can trust God because God's promised that he'll never fail you. He'll never abandon you even when you walk away from him. He'll pursue you. Now, that's good news, right? Some of you, you've been told so many times that you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. Paul says you're God's masterpiece. You're his workmanship. You're created anew in him to do what he's called you to do, the works that he's called you to. 
Now, you can, you can believe your mind, you can listen to your mind, you can replay those tapes again and again, or you can replace it and forge a new path in your mind. You can allow God, you can let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. You can meditate on the truths of God rather than the lies of the enemy. You and I have, we have the choice to make. So which way are we going to go? So meditate. Man, that one took a while. I didn't mean for it to take that long. I'll go quicker on the next two. Here we go. Reframe. So meditate. The second one, I would say reframe. Is there a way that you can walk around what it is that you're currently facing in order to reframe it, get a new perspective or a different perspective? Because sometimes that's incredibly helpful to not just sit in the same spot and see the same old thing in the same old way, but to say, you know, I'm going to walk around this. I'm going to get a new perspective. I'm going to find a different way to view the same thing that I'm looking at. And sometimes that's a game changer for us. That, that rewires the brain to see things from a different perspective. Third one, uh, and, and I think this is where community comes into play, and community groups are so important, Bible study is so important. Um, empty and refill. That it's important on occasion to sit down with someone who is healthy and empty what's in our minds just to say, um, this is what I keep thinking about, or this is what's on my mind, and I just need to get it out. Sometimes just speaking those things out loud and getting them out changes your entire perspective. Now, make sure you do this with someone who's healthy. Like, be careful who you do this with, but empty it, and then let them talk back to you. I had a friend, a mentor, who, who every now and then, he tells me, he says, I go see a counselor every now and then, and he, and he says, I'm going to pay you to listen to me talk, and when I say something crazy, stop me. <laughs> Isn't that good? And so he starts talking, and then every now and then the counselor goes, whoa, 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 what'd you just say? Yeah, that's crazy. Let's figure that out. Let's get that out. For example, and, and I've done this with a counselor. Uh, a counselor worked with me on uh, reframing the way that I hear the encouragement other people give me, and I think I've shared this with you before. For years, anytime someone said something positive to me or encouraging to me, like, hey, Matt, that was a great sermon, in my mind, my mind would say to me, the only reason she said that to you was because it would be awkward if she didn't say anything because you were walking out after church. And so I didn't believe it. I didn't believe what that person said to me. And the counselor said, that's crazy. Like, they don't have to say anything to you. Like, you need to rewire your brain to simply hear and, and say thank you. When people, like, don't make excuses. Don't, like, let your brain do that to you. Receive encouragement from other people. Well, every now and then, we all need to do that. We need to see a counselor. We need to have a good friend, and we need to, like, empty what's in our minds and tell them, hey, tell me when I say something crazy. Now, husbands and wives, don't do that without your spouse inviting you to do that because <laughs> that doesn't end up well. I've, I've run into that. Hey, Robin, that's crazy. And she's like, I didn't ask you to tell me that. <laughs> um, Listen, uh, one last thing, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Your enemy's greatest weapon is the lie he can convince you to believe. Your, 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 your enemy's greatest weapon isn't in the circumstances that may end up a part of our lives, the thing that you're facing. That's, that's not the enemy's greatest weapon. The enemy's greatest weapon in your life and my life, is the lies 
he can convince us to believe up here. Because what goes on up here like shapes everything that happens out here. So let God transform you. Allow him to transform you by changing the way that you think. Believe the best. The band's going to come out, and as they're, as they're coming out to lead us in this last little moment where we can respond and, and work with God on what he wants to do, um, I want to put this last verse up just for us to, to finish with. And um, I love this. At the end of Philippians, so, so Paul, who's writing this, is in jail. He's in chains. And he has so much joy. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but he says this. So think about a person in jail, not sure when he's going to get out, writing this to a group of Christians. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Here it is again, the mind. He keeps coming back to it. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. It's like a run-on sentence. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your mind. Fix your thoughts on these things. So what do you need to do this week? What work do you need to do? To fix your mind on the truth of God. To to take captive every thought and make it obedient to who? To Christ. Yeah, the words of Christ. To, to, to take, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. To fix your mind on what is true and noble and right and pure, excellent, worthy of praise. Like, that's what we should be thinking about, right? So would you stand with me? And I'm going to say a prayer and then we'll... Uh, if you're new to, to McDowell, uh, we have these stations around the room. There's communion here in the front. There's a couple stations in the back. And maybe you want to take communion to be reminded of God's love for you. It's a little piece of bread, cup of juice, represents the body and blood of Christ. And we just, we remember, we celebrate God's love and grace for us. There's candles in the back of the room that represent God's presence. So maybe you want to light a candle and ask God's presence to be with you. Uh, in the back, there's some prayer partners. Maybe you just need somebody to pray over you today. We just want to give you space to, to, to do what you need to do to participate with God in your heart and your mind. So would you bow your heads? I'm going to say a prayer. And um, as, as we do this, as, as we enter into this moment, I, I just, uh, I want to say a prayer over us, but I want to pray specifically for some of you. And if, if you're someone who would just say, you know, Matt, my mind is a wreck and uh, I need to be transformed. Would you, would you just lift your hand up uh, where, you're, where you're sitting? Yeah. Yep, even in the back, I can see that. Yep, yep. Yep, yeah, yeah. God, uh, as I look around this room, there are a few hands that just kind of popped up, and uh, you know what's going on in their minds, and uh, your transformation comes uh, when we submit ourselves or when we open ourselves to your work through the Holy Spirit. So uh, I pray for each one of these people, these men and these women, these students who, who just slipped their hand up and said, my, my mind is a mess. And I pray that you would transform them into new people. I pray that you would rewire their brains by the power of your spirit. And God, for all of us, I pray that we would not buy the lie, that we would believe the truth. 
God, I pray for all of us that we would not buy the lie, but we would believe the truth and we would stand in it. So we give you this time in this space. We pray that you would work in us in Jesus' name. Amen.